Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 21 of the Gagan Pod. I have no idea why we're counting. I think it's more out of disbelief than anything else. Richard Bayless with you, stepping in for David Weiner this week. And joining me on the pod is an illustrious crew of panellists, Luke Wilkshire, first of all. Hello, Luke. How are you? G'day, mate. I'm great. Yourself? I'm not too bad. You seemingly are a coach extraordinaire. The Wollongong Wolves unbeaten now. Coaching looks easy. It does. It does. Look, uh, it's been a a good start to the season. I, I can't complain. Long may it continue. Indeed. Also joining us today, Craig Moore, who knows a lot about football because this morning he predicted on our coverage Liverpool would beat Porto 2-0. And you know what happens? Liverpool, they beat Porto 2-0. How do you do it? Yeah, no, I, was, I guess I was very lucky this morning. I'm not sure what the, the correct odds were, uh, but I imagine they were quite juicy. <laughs> uh-huh. You know exactly what those odds were, I reckon, Maureen. <laughs> also on the panel today, Michael Bridges. Hello, Bridgie. Now, tell me, you seemingly have been the Perth correspondent for Leeds United hanging out with quokkas. What's a quokka? It's a fantastic creature, mate. It's a very happy chap, just like myself. And we've got two things in common. We're happy people and we've got big noses. <laughs> and it was great to go and see them over on Rottnest Island. So I've been doing a little bit of research for the Leeds United fans who so are going to make cotters. Cottesloe, their, their home base when Leeds play uh, Manchester United, so it's been a, a great little trip. I love the fact that that tour is being promoted as Manchester United tour. Forget about Leeds United. Two Premier League clubs, hopefully, Bridgie. Let's see how we go with that. Let's not get too carried away. But coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about Champions League. We've seen two first leg quarterfinals already with a couple more tomorrow morning as we record this and plenty to look forward to as well on the run-in home in the Premier League and right around Europe as well. We'll chat, first of all, gents, about Liverpool and Porto. Our feature game this morning, the Reds started really well, did they, Luke? They were 2-0 up inside 26 minutes, and from there they didn't go on with it. Should there be any concerns, you think, if you're a Reds fan? No, I don't think it's going to be too many concerns after that performance and seeing what Porto had to offer. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, it was a fantastic start for Liverpool to score within the first five minutes. Uh, to put those early nerves to bed because I think there was a few early nerves. Um, and, yeah, they got the second and you actually expected them to to go on with it in the second half. But credit to Porto, they, they closed things up and, and held them at bay. And I think Porto maybe have a little glimpse, but I think Liverpool will be too strong for them. It does seem as though Porto, once they got into their stride, they were at the races. They competed with Liverpool, but they were already two behind. More if you're a defender playing for Liverpool and you come up against Musa Morega, a man who's scored in six straight Champions League games coming into this one, you'd have your hands full, wouldn't you? He looked a, a serious threat against Liverpool this morning. Yeah, no, very much so. And he's uh, obviously had a very successful Champions League campaign. Um, he showed again, um, you know, against two really good defenders um, today that, you know, he's capable at this level. Um, he gets... Decent sights at goal, probably you know four or five chances within within this match. He'll be disappointed that he, he didn't capitalise on this particular occasion, but he certainly he never went hiding, and, and and that's what I love about strikers in terms of they can they can go on a, an unbelievable run and when confidence is high, uh, but I think you find out a lot more when when maybe things aren't going for him. Um, 
he missed a, a couple of chances, but he was still in position to score later on in the match, and, and I, I, I really rate that about striker. Well, Porto were unbeaten in the group stage in the Champions League, so they will have confidence, you suspect, that they can overturn a 2-0 deficit, but one thing's for certain, the defence will have to be solid to stop Liverpool at home next week in the second leg. Now, at Anfield for us, Optus Sport was Mark Schwartzer and Jules Breach, and Schwartzy joins us on the line. Mark, what chance do you give Porto of somehow turning this around and upsetting Liverpool in the second leg next week? Uh, very little, I think. Um, you know what? Listen, they, the first half they were, I thought, very poor. Liverpool was very good, um, put them on a lot of pressure and should have put the game out of reach uh, before the halftime break. Uh, to Porto's credit, they definitely came out in the second half a, a different side. They were a lot more solid in the back. I mean, Alex um, Taylor, I thought, was a lot better in the second half, as was Maxi Pereira. First half, they were poor. They got exposed really badly. Um, you know, I, I think there, there are there are signs of danger um, in terms of Morega, like like Maury was mentioning there, um, Suarez, and uh, I, I thought you know there there, there were some hints of it. Um, at home, they're going to be a different side. They're going to have to be, um, but I still think Liverpool just just the sheer pack, fact that they've got the you know the strike force in Salah, Firmino, and, and Mane. There's always a goal in them. I, I just can't see them not scoring. Swartz, you say Porto are going to be a different team at home. The first 15-20 minutes, they went and did a high press. They had a real good go and they left themselves very open. Second half, you know, they, they shut shop and they try to be defensively more organised. So if they have that approach at home and they come out um, and try and attack, does that favour Liverpool? I think it does. I mean, it, it pretty much becomes that game like like we saw at uh, the Allianz Arena against Bayern Munich. But I mean, Bayern Munich are a far better team. Than Porto, um, I think it's going to be it's going to open up gaps, and I think it could get a little bit messy for for Porto if they do open up too much. But you know what? At two 0 down, you're going to have to at some stage of the game. Um, I think you know I think they'll try and stay in it for as long as they can, and then and then maybe the last 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, maybe then really go for it. Um, but you know, I, th- I just think Liverpool is going to have too much quality. I, I just can't see Porto keeping a clean sheet against them. Now, Mark, it sounds like you're in the Liverpool after party. You heard a bit of giggling and a bit of enjoyment <laughs> behind you. What do you and Jules get up to after you've been sidelined for the Champions League? We get a bit of a look at it on the behind-the-scenes Instagram account, and it looks like you have a good time. What about afterwards? Dare I ask? Um, no, you're not. You don't. You're not allowed to ask, mate. It's just off off limits. There's, there's no <laughs> chance of asking. <laughs> nah, listen. We just have a bit of a wind down, get everyone together, all the crew, have a sit down, have a bit of a, a chat about how the night went, um, and and generally pat each other on the back. You know, that's pretty much what we do every week. Uh, sit in front of a fire. It's nice and nice and uh, warm in here because it was absolutely freezing in Anfield today. Um, everyone was jealous because I was wearing a scarf and no one else was. <laughs> Um, and uh, and I'm sure you guys were jealous back in the studio. Um, but you know what? I have to mention, Bridgie, tell you what, your photo with the quokka, that was definitely two stuffed uh, images there. They were not real, that's for sure. G'day, Mark. It's Luke here, mate. Mate, uh, just another... Mate, how you going? I'm good, mate. Another question that uh, it's on the lips of a lot of people back here in Australia is just how many scarves <laughs> do you own? And do you have more scarves <laughs> than shoes? Um, I think it's close, mate. I think I think scarves and shoes are pretty close in terms of numbers. Um, definitely, the scarves are going to increase in numbers shortly um, because you know obviously I've started a little bit of a thing here, and due to popular demand, you know people want me to continue to wear the scarves. Um, it's better than watching Bridgie in his cardigan every week. And um, you know what? I'm going to go out there and get some, some new, add some more variety to my collection. Schwartzy Mori here. How are you, mate? Hey, good, mate. 
Mate, uh, back at the hotel, I hear you sitting in front of the fire, maybe a, a drink, maybe a club sandwich. Um, I think what we're all wanting to know here, have you changed the habits of a lifetime and you're actually paying yourself? No, mate, absolutely not. Why would I be paying myself? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. I'm, 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 on, I'm, on, I'm working still, you know. That's why, you know, Optus, courtesy, courtesy of Optus Sport, of course, um, great providers of a meal post-match. Fantastic. Love it. Love it, Shorty. <laughs> Love the plug. Thank you, Mark. Before we uh, wrap up yep. this dribble session, I wonder what your thoughts are on the match you're doing tomorrow night because Manchester United, their draw against Barcelona, looks incredibly tough, yet after what happened against PSG, it seems anything can happen. What chance do you give them of going through to the semifinals? Yeah, I think it's one game too far. I, I just think that Barcelona is going to be too strong. Barcelona seem to be really hitting some form now. Suarez, Messi, the usual... The usual candidate, the usual culprits, um, you know, are, are, are really starting to fly now. I just can't see Manchester United having enough to deal with them. Um, first game, as always, in these in these ties are, are crucial. I just, again, you look at Manchester United defensively this season, they haven't been good. Um, you can't see them keeping a clean sheet, which is vital at home like Liverpool did tonight. Um, and uh, I just think they're going to have too much to do in the returns. I mean, I know they did a great job against PSG. Um, but I, I just can't see Barcelona making those same same mistakes as PSG. Well, Mark, you do get to watch uh, Messi in the flesh up close at Old Trafford, which will be a sight in itself. Maybe not so if you're a Manchester United fan. We'll let you guys uh, continue on with your analysis of your evening, and we'll see you on the coverage tomorrow. <laughs> Brilliant. Cheers, guys. See you, mate. Of course, the other result that happened this morning, Tottenham won Manchester City nil. Now, this one was fascinating for a whole heap of reasons. We'll get to Harry Kane's injury in a moment, but just assessing it for what it is, Maury, Tottenham beating Manchester City. The City side, of course, going for the quadruple. Yes, it's only the first leg, and there's still a lot of work to do to get through to the semis, but how big do you think this is for Spurs so far? Yeah, look, it gives them a... A fantastic opportunity in the the second leg. I mean, home game, you want to go out and, and try and win that match. Um, they, they managed to do that uh, with a fantastic 1-0 result. Yes, uh, City potentially uh, maybe more possession, but, uh, you know, Tottenham had some really good chances. Deli Ali had a, a, a decent half chance um, in the first half. Obviously, we had the, the injury to Kane, um, but... Son done what what he has done a lot of times throughout the season and, and was able to, to lead the line and get that all-important goal for Spurs. So you would have to say, um, although it was a very good result for Spurs, that, that City are the favourites to progress in, in this tie, in my opinion. A very good result. It was a magnificent result. Yeah, but it's, it's half-time, Bridgie. Well, there's a caveat too, because we can't ignore the fact that Harry Kane was injured and after the game, Rizzio Pochettino said he's probably out for the season. He's hurt that ankle before, he was carried off, and ultimately the season does rest, it seems, in the ankle of Harry Kane. You mentioned the fact Son's done really well, but this is a key player. What sort of momentum, or what hit to the momentum will that take, Bridgie, for Spurs? Oh, it's going to be a massive impact. Harry Kane, whether he... Whether he's playing up front as the lone striker or is he playing alongside a front two. We had this argument or debate um, a few weeks back on the Gagan pod. Harry Kane seems to play better when he's up there on his own. When he's playing alongside somebody, they don't seem to share the load very well. It was interesting when he went off, Son was the man that got the goal. So I'm, I'm saying that Son will fill the boots of Harry Kane. It, it's, it's gonna, it is going to be a huge loss, but you've got to move on. And if the, the players step up, especially after that result, the, the momentum, the um, confidence that that will have given against City. I mean, I'm a fan. I even wrote them off when I saw the draw. So to have this result at home in that new stadium, 
Um, I think that played a big part as well because the fans, it's not one of these stadiums just where they're away from you, from the field. They're right on top of you and they made it a, a, a daunting atmosphere and the players produced. And, but there's no doubt Harry Kane for the rest of the season is going to be a miss. But you've got to move on. You've got to get on with it as a team. Penny for the thoughts of Kevin De Bruyne on that stadium because before the game he said, I don't care about the stadium. I care about the team we play. Everybody talks about the stadium like it's something special. Everybody has a stadium. Everybody has supporters. Now, he had a fair chance of assessing the stadium tonight, Luke, because he sat on the bench the whole time. And, you know, there have been a few critics already of the way Pep Guardiola approached this one. He played two holding midfielders. He had Sane on the bench, De Bruyne on the bench, which in hindsight looks like a mistake. But do you think that he's already looking ahead to Crystal Palace, the second leg? Do you think he's actually got the quadruple in his mind at the moment? I think he definitely does. And, and you're right there, De Bruyne had plenty of time to absorb the atmosphere of, of the stadium. And I think, um, you know, he won't take back fond memories. But uh, I think Guardiola was, I think he knew what he was doing. You'd like to think that he knew what he was doing. And, and like, say, it's half time, okay, they're down 1 0, going back to the Eddie had, I think they would still fancy their chances to go through in this tie. And, and yeah, seeing seen him bring on De Bruyne and Sane for just the two minutes was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, and it just showed that he wasn't really going to go there with an intent to go and try and win the game or chase the game when they went down 1-0. He was happy to just let it, let it pitter out, put him on for a bit and save him for the future. A night of surprises too because Sergio Aguero had a penalty saved by Hugo Lloris who Bridgie is quickly turning in to Tottenham's Champions League hero because remember the second leg against Dortmund, he was amazing that night, albeit you know facing shots that most of them went to him. But he could be the man after this season that's had a bit of everything on and off the pitch. He could be the one that takes them through. I think what he did at the World Cup, Rich, and then he came back to the Premier League and he's had an absolute shocker. You know, he had the, was it the drink driving charge back in the UK? And then he's been made a comic, comical amount of errors this season. He gifted Liverpool the 2-1 victory recently, but in the Champions League, he has been Mr. Reliable. And, you know, it was a, it was a poor penalty by Aguero, but you've still got to guess the right way and he saved it. And I think that moment inspired the whole team so um, as long as he's continuing the Champions League I don't care if he makes errors in the Premier League anymore it's about the Champions League and he's given us a best possible start well shortly we'll turn our attention to the Premier League and of course the title race continues this weekend but before we get there Schwartzy mentioned it before Maury the game he's doing tomorrow for us Optus Sport Manchester United and Barcelona a tip from you of course the king of tips after this morning any chance for United to spring what would be arguably the biggest surprise so far in the Champions League yeah, I kind of I do agree with Schwartzy in terms of uh, I think this uh, this game might be uh, a push too far. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has obviously done a fantastic job. I, I just believe that you know Barcelona uh, are going to be too strong in this particular match. I think that uh, United have found a, a reason to, to rally and obviously um, have performed well over the the last couple of months. I believe that Barcelona will just have too many opportunities within the game. And if you're, if you're after a scoreline prediction, Rich, I'll, I'll go a 3-1 Barcelona. OK, what about in the other game? I'm writing these down. <laughs> <laughs> sure, man. I'll tell you what, putting my neck in at some size, a neck on the line here. Uh, I've gone also with, with Ajax um, to get, you know, what people might think is a surprise win. I think that they, they can uh, get a result at home against Juventus, obviously the talking uh, leading into this game is, is, is Christian Ronaldo going to be past fit for this match? Well, he's in training with them. He has travelled with the squad. We expect him to be involved, whatever that means. You suspect maybe it means off the bench, Bridgie, and 
he comes in if they're in a situation where they need him after his heroics in the second leg against Atletico Madrid. There's no doubt they need him. They bought him to win the Champions League as well. Is it as simple as saying if Ronaldo's involved, Juventus go through? Is, is he that crucial for them at this stage? Oh, he is that crucial, Rich. But is it worth risking him so soon after a muscle strain, having been there myself? Murray's been there. Luke's been there. We know what it is to get a muscle strain, whether it's two or three weeks. I would rather keep Ronaldo fit for the next home game because if he comes on or he starts the game and that tear happens again, it becomes doubly amount of time. You're talking eight to ten weeks then and that's his, that's his season gone. I would be wrapping him cotton wool, getting him ready for the home tie again um, without a shadow of a doubt. And I can't, I can't see them risking him in that first leg. I, th- I really can't. I think, you know, you've got two legs. I think, um, I mean, you saw them against Atletico. Yeah, he hurt one of them, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> no, look, you saw him against Atletico lose and then bring him, bring him home and beat him in the second leg, so I'm pretty sure they're not going not gonna to risk him in that one. What about Fryax? Because they've been somewhat inconsistent. What they did against Real Madrid was fantastic. Dusan Tadic, only one player left in the Champions League has scored more goals than him, and that's Lionel Messi. Do they have the players, do you think, that pound for pound in quality can go and just beat Juventus over two legs, considering what they did against Real Madrid? wasn't exactly a shock because over 180 minutes they were the far better team yeah they were but they have quality they're, they're young and I think the biggest thing for them is consistency as young you get with young players a young squad they have that talent and ability there's no doubt um, it's a consistency I mean after they beat Real Madrid they went back to their Eredivisian and lost so that's you know a, that's, that's a good point as well it's, it's consistency and look for sure they're going to be up for the game and, and they're going to be no easy beats it's not going to be a pushover Juventus just the 20 points clear in Serie A as well. They should wrap that up this weekend. But if you think that Ronaldo being out is the end of the story for them, have a think about the other players they've got. We've seen Khan come in recently, really assert himself. And Gennaro Gattuso this week said this about Mario Mandzukic. He said, when Juventus are in trouble, they go to look for Mandzukic, who always seems like he's playing in a park with his friends for the physicality he has. Any players you guys played with that that reminds you of? I can think of one. Probably in I'm, my head. but I'm standing here next to two Australian international footballers that will have played with this man. I had the pleasure of playing alongside this man in training at Leeds United, and that's Marvaduka. He would turn up for training like it was just playing in the park. He would turn up in matches as laid back as you would like, and he could single-handedly beat a team when he wanted to when he was there. So I'm, I'm saying Vaduka. He just... He, yeah, it was, it was just park football. Yeah, we were talking a little bit earlier on, and he was, he was certainly the name uh, for me also um, that came to hand very quickly. The, the big man was, uh, on his day, obviously, he was fantastic, probably unplayable uh, at times, but he would surprise you because a lot of the time he's just got, like he says, that, that playground mentality, um, and then every now and then he would kind of surprise you with a, with a real serious side as well. Um, but he, he was a fantastic player. That many other people that obviously never had the, the experience um, or, or the time uh, to spend with Mark Viduka. And obviously everyone thought he was, he was that laid back. It was one of those ones where you need to check his pulse to see if he's actually alive. He was, <laughs> he was that laid back. Um, I just loved his, I loved his honesty. Um, you know, and, and I loved what, he, what he'd done as a football player because he was, he was really a top, top level striker. There was one more. He was a similar size to Mark Viduka, but he was nowhere near the player. Um, he was a fat lad. I played him at Hull City. His name is John Parkin. So if anybody can Google or have a look at this man on the internet, he, he used to come into training eating pies for breakfast, and he was eating pies after, after we trained. Uh, he did not care. 
but he was a, he could perform, and it was just like you say, it was it was a it was a job and a, a park life for him. So um, John Parkin as well. No pun intended. What was your excuse for eating all the pies? just enjoyed them rich and since i've come to australia i tell you what you do put some meat inside them pies i want a refund from all the ones in england they were half empty <laughs> rightio then give us an answer all right lads it's time for finish this sentence and we'll start with you maury pep saying city can't win the quadruple is bluff for me it's a big time bluff he will be deep down thinking and desperately wanting to achieve exactly that um but being a top manager like he is, he'll, you know, find ways to, to be able to to manage that, to, to manage those expectations, uh, to make sure that every game is 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 treated on its individual merit. But look, I mean, you're a top club like Man City. Um, you're built uh, upon victories, winning games of football. It's a very live situation. I think he's he's being clever, and it's not something they're going to be thinking about in terms of the day to day thing. But it's that's a nice little thing that's that's sitting there, you know. That um, he'd be desperate to try and achieve. He's, he's, he's had so much success wherever he's been. Um, quadruple is on, and I think it's a bluff. See, this is one of these things where I think players sometimes players and staff are different to fans because you guys have obviously played. I've only ever been a fan. For me, if my manager came out and said we want to win the quadruple, I reckon the whole fan base would just love that that confidence and you know setting that bar high and. You know, obviously playing it down is the accepted kind of way and way going about it, but why wouldn't he come out and say, yeah, let's go and win it? I, I think, uh, and then, Luke, you'll, you'll come in on the back of that, but I think w- the reason why they do that is because when you put all the eggs in one basket and you have that kind of uh, approach, uh, everyone's excited, everyone wants to see it happen, but the moment that one result changes things, it's like deflation big time, and how do you pick yourself up? So that's why... Yeah, and that, it's interesting because you've got Guardiola and some managers doing it that way, but then, trust me, if that was Graham Arnold, he'll be telling you, we're going to win the quadruple. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's on another side of things, trust me. Have you just put Arnie in the category of Pep Guardiola? I'm just saying, as a, as a manager or a coach, you know, if the same if you were to go, he would say, we're going for the quadruple. Same at the start of the season, we're yes. going to win the FA Cup, we're going to win the league, and we're going to be champions in Australia in terms of things, obviously. Yeah, but we could also see how that doesn't work in terms of the Asian Cup you know it was a similar uh, confidence which maybe in Asia was um, seen to be arrogance um, you so leave it's yourself a, wide open don't you for you, scrutiny you're, you're big time uh, look it's something you speak about in house yeah. yeah it's not something that I think you're you, you push to the media, although the fans and supporters do love that. If Arnie's listening to this, and Arnie, I hope you are. If you are, hello, mate. Uh, good, <laughs> good to know you're listening to us. Uh, you'd be thinking, how on earth did I get roped into this? <laughs> let's let's hope that uh, Pep Guardiola does give it the love and respect because there's a reason no one's done it. It's because it's a once-in-a-lifetime, at-best opportunity for Manchester City. Now, elsewhere, Bridgie, Philippe Coutinho saying he wants to stay at Barcelona and England does not fit in with his plans is... I'm going to make a word up here, Rich. Agent-esque. <laughs> he's playing the game, and he's playing the game very, very smartly. Uh, Murray, is that a good word to use? I think it's brilliant, mate. If it's not in the dictionary, we, we, we should make sure that it... Can you spell it out for me, please, mate? No, not a chance. <laughs> but he's, just, he's playing the game, Rich. Uh, he's, he's been in out of Barca's situation. Um, he hasn't performed very, very well. He's turned his back on, obviously, Liverpool. It was a big move. 
if the opportunity came up and he has a good they're playing Manchester United, he gets the opportunity to play, he'll be showcasing himself, Rich, because you you can't say that it doesn't fit and you don't want to play and your plans aren't in England because if a if a team comes a calling and they're paying big money again and you're gonna get more game time, he's gonna be moving. So he's playing the game. Luke, if Barcelona's opponents Manchester United miss Champions League qualification, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is in trouble. Really, I, be, I believe uh, if they think qualification, you, you're looking at you know if, when he's going into the summer, into the marketing summer to to try and bring in new players and players that want to play Champions League football. If they can't offer that to players, it's going to be pretty hard to entice some top players to the club. Three losses now in four. Is the pressure on just beyond the fact that they've made it this far in the Champions League, Bridgie? I'm pleased you're a manager and not a chairman because that is ruthless. He's only just signed a long-term contract, mate. Dear me. Luke's playing FIFA manager. The whole thing's easy to him, just does what he wants. Hey, elsewhere, Maury, Jamie Vardy is now in the top 50 scorers all time in the Premier League ahead of the likes of Cantona, Suarez and Giroud. His legacy is... I've got taking chances. I know it's... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Two words, I apologize. Right? <laughs> it, was, it was the best I could come up with. But look, this is um, that's a fairy tale story, what, what James Vardy uh, has delivered, you know. He's obviously shown talent as a, as a young fella. At Sheffield Wednesday in, in the in the 18s, um, but from there, obviously, you know, semi-pro football, and then, you know, from from Halifax to, to Fleetwood to Leicester to winning a, a premiership in a remarkable season. Um, his hard work, uh, it really is a, a, a fantasy story, Bridget. Yeah, it's, and it's inspiration as well. To the gives players at the lower divisions hope, and to see somebody go through the. Like you said, the pathways that Vardy's done and to play for England, um, nothing short of sensation. The closest thing I saw to this or witnessed when I was a player was Kevin Phillips. Coming from non-league football to Watford, came into Sunderland and, you know, we were flying high with Niall Quinn, Danny Dicci or myself and then Kev comes out of nowhere and he puts the pressure straight on and he's, he turned out to be one of the all-time great strikers in the Premier League. So again, Vardy's just made that um, reality a belief for some players. And he's a club legend. He's obviously been in lower league football, but he'll go down as a Leicester legend. He's now their highest scorer ever after overtaking Gary Lineker at the weekend. Elsewhere, Mesut Ozil throwing his jacket during Arsenal's defeat to Everton. Luke was? Embarrassing. I think for, for himself and the club uh, and, his, and his manager, I think it's, it's not a good look. Whether I'm unsure whether it was actually thrown towards his manager or whether it was a decision what was going on. But it's not a good look at that level of football, and you know you when you know you're in that sort of limelight, and then that's going to be picked up on. Um, as a club, you, you don't need that sort of thing to be seen. Does it not show that he actually has some emotion though, and he cares? This is a good way to look at it, mate. Are you looking at the glass half yeah, full? It's, yeah, Peter positivity today. <laughs> yeah. No, look, I guess so. Um, but clearly, then he he must be very frustrated if he is actually showing some emotion, mustn't he? Indeed, Maury. Bayern Munich destroying Borussia Dortmund 5-0 at the weekend is? Breathtaking. Um, 
a lot of question marks at the start of the season uh, over Bayern Munich. I uh, had the, the opportunity to, to spend some time in Munich with former uh, sporting director Christian Nerlinger. Uh, Borussia Dortmund obviously got off to an absolute flyer. Um, and the, the feeling in, in, in Munich was a lot of pressure and there's going to be big change and we're going to spend big, uh, feeling as if things were already slipping away. But I'll tell you what, haven't they turned it around? And uh, it really was an emphatic uh, first-half performance. They, they they just put Dortmund to the sword and um, it, it, it was five. It could have easily been ten. It was, it was amazing. Um, so Bayern Munich, I think, are good enough uh, and have shown that... Um, the title's in their hands, and I think they'll go on and, and win the league, obviously. In a season where it hasn't gone right for them, Nico Kovac under a lot of pressure at the start. In a way, is it kind of depressing that when the runaway leaders over seasons past have an off year and yet they still go on and win it? I mean, that's that's a little bit depressing, isn't it, Bridgie? The fact that they might still go on and do it, despite the fact that Dortmund, RB Leipzig, Eintracht Frankfurt... Just when it seems like they're there and they've got an opportunity, they don't. It's taken away from them. Yeah, it's taken away from them. And it's a marathon, not a sprint at the end of the day. And um, it, we could see this happening about two months ago. And Tottenham got a great result against them. And slowly they've just been getting drained of energy and buying. They've just turned it and, and flipped it back on its head, mate. So, yeah, good on them. Finally, Michael, this one's for you. The drama surrounding the SCG pitch for the Big Blue happened because of... Oh... <laughs> How do we? Where do we go with this one? I would say bad decisions. Um, Ourselves, I, I think. It's, the decision that it's a process. I think that uh, if, if if it's, I don't think it's changed. Right, the process in terms of playing a venue and and the venue being cleared safe is you'll have the match commissioner, someone from Clubland, which then reports back into the FFA, who then. Give the, the seal of approval, yeah? So this, this process has, has, has happened. But it's a shambles. Uh, no, no, I, I agree. Just because... But they'll turn around and say, well, yeah, but we've had experts that have made that decision. But they have never that, played the game. The, correct. That's where I'm leading. So that doesn't necessarily mean... And I'm agreeing with you, Bridget. Don't look at me like that. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I used to get scared of you on the field, but you just rattled my cage there. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I think, like, you know... Yes, people, match commissioners... Look, I've dealt with a lot of match commissioners and all do a fantastic job. But do they know? Uh, exactly, that's a question. Do they know? You know, a football field, whether it's safe. Uh, uh, even when I was working at Brisbane Raw, I used to go out and look at all sorts of venues when we were trying to, you know, push out into the community and all that sort of stuff. And I had to say no to a lot of those facilities because it was going to put our players at risk. Well, that was the interesting thing. Sorry, Luke. When I first came to Newcastle Jets and we were training on a park that had an actual um, artificial cricket pitch down the middle of it. And we, I remember the manager saying, just be careful. We would normally say be careful of a divot. You know what I mean? If there's a divot somewhere in the park, be careful of the middle in case you slide and hurt yourselves, lads, when he's going up for a header or something. Oh, well, you're, you're playing around a syntho. Yeah, playing around a syntho as we were training. I, I found it unbelievable when I was here nine years ago how we were having to do that. He said what? Now, if you haven't heard it, Troy Deeney, he uh, was on the score sheet in that miraculous semi-final FA Cup victory for Watford over Wolves. And then he went on to have a bit of a pop at fellow goal scorer for Wolves, Raul Jimenez. Here's what he had to say after the game, did Troy Deeney. Do you know what? I genuinely didn't see that until just now. <laughs> There's a bit of me that wants to say something nasty, but I won't. But I'm glad he put that mask on. He could wear it out as well. Now he's, uh, now he's a loser. So, yeah. Enjoy the mask, but we, we got the victory. 
<laughs> Calling Raul Jimenez a loser after putting a mask on. Kind of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang style after scoring in an FA Cup semi-final. It begs the question, if you can't put a mask on, then when can you put a mask on? Luke, what do you think about Dini calling him a loser? <laughs> oh, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I think... Um it would be great if we get that Marseille so we could give it to Bridgie instead of having a look at that nose. So. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> what do you think about the fact that Troy Deeney is a player? We mentioned before the fact that uh, managers and players like to play it safe, but how good is it to see a player coming out and actually slamming another player and having an opinion? Yeah, look, I mean, what we know about Troy Deeney is he's also had a, a, a fantastic journey and, um, you know, had some some issues in his life and, and, and kind of has come through them as um, a much better person, you know, and he's a, he's a really, he's a really honest guy and kind of says things how, how it is and, you know, I, look, he's come out and, and, and said that about the mask situation. Um, it's obviously wound him up a little bit for him to come out. Uh, Especially and, when he's just and, seen it. And say that, yeah, when he's just seen it. So, but look, all, all, the, all the, the messages coming out from Watford um, and especially through Troy Deeney, he, he does, he speaks with a, with a real honesty uh, and I think the players that do actually speak in that manner um, they really connect with their, their, their fans don't they and they really connect with, with the, the supporter base um, and I think he's done that and he's done that really really well One ex-player that perhaps uh, not connecting as much with fans this week was Gordon Strachan Say he goes onto the pitch and people start calling their names, have we got to do the same as it is with a racist situation? Is it all right to call him names now after doing these three years? Have we allowed that to happen? So Adam Johnson, the player in question that Gordon Strachan was talking about, of course, just out of jail after serving a three-year term. Bridgie, where do you sit on Strachan's comments here? Because he's been slammed across the board. Sky have said they won't have him on as a pundit anymore, basically comparing the racist abuse that players are getting with what Adam Johnson might cop from the crowd if he goes back into football. Fairly clumsy. From Very clumsy from Strachan to put the, you know, to put them in the same sentence um, to give them the same issue. I thought it was very, very silly of him. When he looks back, I think he's been caught, caught out and said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And the Adam Johnson situation, it, it's non-compatible. I mean, if that had been Gordon Strachan's daughter, at the, would he still be saying the same thing? And it's it's very, very, it's a very tough situation. And I received a text message from um, a, an ex-player in from the UK saying. Can you try and help Adam Johnson find a club over here in Australia? And my response was no chance. Uh, you know that's that's uh, the, my my view on it. And yeah, Gordon's been been a very very naive there. Was that you saying no chance he would help or no chance he would get a club here? Both. No chance I want to be involved, and no chance I think he should deserve to get a club here. Do you think he'll he'll be back in football? I mean. The point that Strachan was trying to make was the hostility towards him will be such that it's probably unlikely he could make it back in. Obviously, the way Strachan made the point was ridiculous in the extreme. Is there any chance that Johnson can come back into football? I know that's kind of beside the point in light of Strachan's comments, but surely we don't see him play football again. I can't see it, and I think it would take a very, very, very brave club and person to put him back into a, a team. If someone came to you and said, here's Adam Johnson, former England midfielder, available for Wollongong Wolves, and he's fit, what would you say? No. Simple. You know what's going to be hard for him, Rich? When he goes into a dressing room, and there's so many fathers in that dressing room, um, and realise that he's got a conviction. And Stratton said he served his time, but... um, yeah, I think what was what was done at his time should have been served longer. Well, Gordon Strachan did put out a statement afterwards, uh, obviously unreservedly apologising for his comments, saying he didn't mean it. 
that way. As you suspect, it was uh, pretty clumsy, but uh, we won't be seeing him on Sky anytime soon. Would you rather? So the big question heading into the Premier League weekend is who would you rather be out of Manchester City or Liverpool? Manchester City face a trip to Crystal Palace. They lost to Palace earlier in the season at home at the Etihad 3-2 and they drew their last visit to Selhurst Park where for Liverpool they have a home match but it's against Chelsea. Maury, who would you rather be? Oh, this is a a really good one. Um, I think that I would rather be Liverpool here. Really? Yes, I know. I like that surprise on your face there, Richard. Um, look, I mean, I know last season in terms of Crystal Palace and Manchester City uh, were, were drubbings. Um, Crystal Palace um, have shown this year uh, away from home to, to get a victory and also a draw at home. Um, got a bit of a soft spot, former club, Crystal Palace. Uh, but they, they can surprise. And, and saying that, that's probably a little bit unfair. They, they, they can get the, the right results. At home against uh, the, the big teams, or they certainly have a, a really decent crack and, and, and are able to create and score goals. Liverpool at home, I know it's a very tough game. I know it's a very tough game, but I just think that, that Liverpool, Liverpool at Anfield, I, I think that Chelsea will be a, an, an easier target. Crystal Palace will play relaxed and freely against Man City. Um, that's a tough one, but like it says, I'll go that Liverpool. The Palace boys are on holiday now, though. They've, they're, they're safe, ah, but down tools. They're thinking of Ibiza, they're thinking of Iron Napa. You know how it is. I they're agree with you, Bridgie. Holiday I mode. I think yep. City okay, have you, got that one in. Listen, I'm allowed my own opinion here. Oh, no, no, that's <laughs> what it's all about. <laughs> Football's is, about opinions. Which is fantastic, because you know, you know what it's like, and you would have seen it as well. Like Sometimes the, the, the flip side is, yes, relaxed, clock off, so to speak. But sometimes that, that can actually... Um, Enhance. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's, there's playing with, with no... But you're playing a city team that has to win. They've yeah. had players rested, they're ready, they have to win. With, with their quality, I just can't see it. Okay, but so, so you're at Crystal Palace, right? Your season, you're safe, yeah? right? You're playing for, for your future, not only at, at that football club. But you, as a football player, we want to test ourselves against the best. Are you clocking off in this game? Against City, the form that they're in? I'm going on holiday. <laughs> and here you are all the way out here Love in Australia <laughs> I was expecting a different answer fair enough if you're Liverpool though and you saw what Eden Hazard did this week against West Ham it doesn't matter who the opposition is if you've got Hazard against you playing at his best you're in big trouble that first goal he scored Luke this week that was a mind-blowing goal I'm waiting for people to criticise the defence I don't think any defence in the world would cope with that it is. It's mind-blowing, and, and that's the quality they possesses. Everybody knows that. Um, when he wants, he, he can do that, and he can turn games on his head. And I think, yeah, Liverpool, I, th- I think they don't want Hazard to be at his best because if he is, they're going to have some problems. He's gone to Real Madrid, surely, Bridgie. No, no, he, he said in his interview after the game, which I am not going to the, the, it was the West Ham fans were saying, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone to Madrid. And, he, you know, Hazard's come out and said, I'm not going. They were, they were lying. It's all just rumours. What should we bet on it? He's gone. <laughs> it's a very good smokescreen. <laughs> you should think of acting. At the other end of the table, it seems a matter of time until Cardiff join both Fulham and Huddersfield down. I know they're only five points away, but the games are slipping away for Cardiff. Is that the way you guys see it? You're going to throw any other smoky in there? Surely it's out of Cardiff, Southampton and Brighton? Cardiff for me, I think I can't see them getting out of that, that five points. I think it's too much for them. have to agree with, with Luke. Um, they'll give it everything that they have. And at this stage of the season uh, you, you, you know you will see the, the odd result and, and sometimes we see the, the, the freakish recovery uh, for teams to stay alive unfortunately I don't see this happening for Cardiff 
No, and I've got to, got to go with the same, Rich. I'd love to give one of my stupid comments and go for something else, but the situation and the season, the story that they've had, Warnock's never really got the results to go their way. They've had offside decisions, they've had goals that should have been disallowed, and they've obviously had the tragedy surrounding the player, Salah, that was um, sadly passed away in the plane crash. So it's everything has gone against this club, and I can't see anything so, um, keeping them up. They travel to Turf Moor to play Burnley this weekend. Burnley have some breathing space. You sense they're probably safe now. If Cardiff don't win this, they're probably down. I'm going to throw one more would-you-rather at you boys, unprompted. Would you rather be Leeds or Sheffield United right now? You know what I'm going to say. Leeds United. Game in hand. Well, no, no. Played the game. Sitting higher. Sheffield United have got to go and get a result. Um, Yeah, Leeds. Norwich five points up the road. We're kind of assuming Norwich are in the Premier League next season already with a few games left. Leeds two points ahead of Sheffield United. United play Birmingham tomorrow. Who would you rather be, lads? Um, I'm going to see a smile on Bridges' face and yours probably, Richard, because I'll, I'll say, like I said, with Leeds, I think at this stage um, of any season, uh, at, at any level, when you're at the, the pointy end um, and there's so much at stake, I'd always take positioning and points that are in the bag um, and, and people chasing me rather than me doing the chasing. That's also good for Liverpool, isn't it? Playing that game beforehand, getting the points on the board, putting the pressure on the team, playing second. Do you, do you see Sheffield United up there above Leeds? Well, it depends. We can cut it out if you say Sheffield United. No, right. that's what I was, I was just about to say. It depends if I want to, you know, work anymore on off the sport. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go with Leeds. <laughs> we're, we're actually not recording this as a podcast. It's actually an interview to see if you keep your gig. Oh, here's a good yarn. Now, we spoke earlier about the FA Cup semi-final. Watford getting through over Wolves 3-2 in extra time. Now, Ben Foster, their number one keeper, has not been involved the whole cup run. Jorelio Gomez has been in there. He's done a good job as well. And Ben Foster has said that, said that he'll refuse to play if he's picked in the FA Cup final. You don't believe him, do you, Luke? I, I can't imagine that. And, and, you know, we spoke about this before. If, if the manager comes up to you and says, you're playing on the weekend, I can't imagine that as a professional you're going to turn around and tell your manager, no, I'm not going to play. Luke, I'm going to give you a scenario. I'm going to be the manager. Murray, can you be Ben Foster? I'll give it my best shot. Is this role-playing again? Yeah. Then you're playing in the cup final tomorrow, son. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted, Gaffer. I'm going to be unbelievable today. It's a new contract for you. If you'd have said no, you were getting sacked. Yeah, no, nah, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult one. Maybe I didn't answer it the way you wanted it. it, it <laughs> in terms of the role-play there, sorry, mate. But, yeah, you're right. Like, if you're the... I understand what he's trying to say. Um, but at the end of the day, if you've... You know... Your manager wants to play a certain team and no matter what's happened in a competition and for how many games, consecutive games, at the end of the day, you've got a job to do. A manager um, like I said, selects that team and there's no, there's no way that Ben is going to look at his gaffer and say, by the way, listen, gaffer, I think that you've got to, you know, you got to play the other keeper because he's, he's played the whole tournament and, you know, I just think it's the right thing to do. But if um, you're Herelio Gomez, are you knocking on Grazia's door and saying, I expect to play in this final as well, having been there all the way through the cup run? I would say so. It's a very tough decision for the manager, but at the end of the day, I want to play my best team to win a trophy. I'm not going to give another goalkeeper a bit of sentimental value when I, when I want to get the, the trophy. And, and maybe, like I said, a game where... You know, we're debating. Uh, we don't actually know what the... You know, there could have been a conversation already at the, the beginning of the, the campaign to say, listen, you're the, you're the main man. This is your tournament. This is your competition. 
for sure. Uh, so we, we don't know that, do we? No, no, I agree with you. For sure that could have been the case. And look, he had enough faith in him to play him in the semi-final. So, you know, what's, what's the difference? Why he doesn't have faith in him in the final? Well, they are playing Manchester City. And according to Michael Bridges earlier on in this pod, you might as well not turn up. Bridgie, I wonder, when you usually do role play, does it go better than that? Yeah, it does, because normally I get a better sidekick or a better partner in crime. <laughs> Let's leave that there. Now, here's another good yarn, actually, from the week. Now, in one week, Lissandro Semedo of Fortuna Sittard in the Eredivisie was subbed off in the first half of three games straight as a result of teammates being sent off. In the 45th minute, the 37th and the 39th, this poor bloke, you'd be knocking on the manager's door and saying, Gaffer, what on earth? Give me a run. That is an unbelievable week. I mean, I don't know, to... <laughs> I think he needs to go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> can only get better. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's not great. Poor, poor lad, you know. Um, that old tactical one when, when we go down to 10 men. Um, I have managed to beat him, though, personally. Um, getting the, the hook after 23 minutes. Did you? <laughs> wow. Dick Avocat, um back in the, the Rangers days. Home game against Kilmarnock. I actually think it was maybe the first game of the season. Um Ball's come crossed into the box. It, it was kind of, I expected it bounced a little bit higher to, to maybe head it clear. It didn't bounce quite as high. I didn't head it. I didn't kick it. <laughs> and we ended up conceding a goal after 20-odd minutes. And there and then, you're off. Off-ski. Gone. So not even tactical, just honking. Mate, you're rubbish. Off. <laughs> off. And was that in Advocate's locker? Was that something that was a shock or was that something that you knew could happen if you made a mistake? I didn't know at the time, but I, I found out. And he, but he, he also, he done that another time. And Mikey Moles, I'm sure you all know Mikey Moles. Mikey Moles is a fantastic player. Another home game, I forget who it was, but it was another first half substitution like this. Mikey's flown all his family over from Holland. <laughs> so they're all having, having a great time. Next minute, it was about 30 minutes. Tactical, off you come, son. Avocat was ruthless. Well, imagine that three times in the one week. We hope Semedo scores on the weekend before he's subbed off before halftime. Now, from the unfortunate to the heartfelt or the heartwarming at the weekend, we saw Aaron Moy walk on the pitch at the John Smith Stadium with Bella from Texas, who identified Moy during the World Cup as her favourite player when she was watching the Socceroos because she'd gone through cancer treatment. And like Aaron Moy, she was bald at the time. It was great to see Moy leading her out and, of course, scoring in front of Bella as well. wasn't such a great day for Huddersfield. They lost to Leicester 4-1. But you love to see human stories like this, Bridgie. We've spoken a bit on this pod about players or managers saying what they really think. You love seeing that human side, and clearly Aaron Moy has got a big heart. Yeah, definitely, Rich. And, you know, we have a laugh and a joke on the on the podcast here, but the serious side of football and uh, to see players show emotion and the time that they gave up and, you know, they're idols. And obviously this girl taking a shine to Moy, he's embraced the situation a bit like ex-players have done, Jermaine Defoe, um, Vardy when he scored a few weeks back, paying tribute to a, to a young girl as well. So this was a touching moment. It was actually nice to see a different side of Aaron Moy. I'm used to seeing him in the media. I don't know him personally. But to see a different side to him where he was, he was emotional, he's embraced the situation, that goes a long way because that spreads so much joy in people's lives. He's just quiet, Aaron Moy, when, when he speaks. He obviously doesn't really come out and make grandiose statements. That's just the way he talks. Speaking of Aaron Moy, it hasn't been a great season, obviously, for him or Huddersfield. They're going down after a record amount of games or the quickest, equal quickest relegation ever for a Premier League club. If you had to say in one word which club he'd be at next season, where do you think it'd be, Luke? Newcastle. Newcastle would be my... Um, I heard uh, through the grapevine over the last year or so that 
they've had a have a shine to him. They've uh, they've had shown some interest. So whether that's still there, I don't know. Remains to be seen. But I think that's a strong possibility. Are you claiming responsibility if Newcastle are interested, Bridgie? Well, I did tell them four or five years ago to go and get him along with Leeds United. Um, sadly, they didn't take the gamble. The computer said no from my mate Lee <laughs> Fraser. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's definitely been on their, on their radar. Uh, I would like to see it, but I would just like to see him go two minutes down the road. Keep the same house in Huddersfield, sign for Leeds when they get promoted. Um, so, yeah, that, I'm sure that's an option as well. He'll do a good job to replace Calvin Phillips in that team. I'll give you the tip. Uh, Maury, where do you think Moy will play next year? In the championship? No. Um, for, for me, look, he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of choices. Um, he'll, he'll certainly have three or four that are willing to have a go at him in the in the Premiership again. Um, I've not had the chance to really speak to Aaron Moy or anybody close to Aaron Moy, but I get the feeling that um, now potentially even changes on the way. Um, that maybe there's some other markets that, that, that potentially could be explored. Um, you know, he's he's done he's done remarkable things at Huddersfield he really has um, I mean, word on the street is he's, he's enjoyed the premiership but it's hard to enjoy when you're, you're battling week in week out it's a real slog and, and that's the season that, that Aaron Moy and Huddersfield have had when you say other markets you mean outside of the UK yes I'll tell you what if there's one person you want to take a tip from today it's Craig Moore <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Aaron Moy is leaving the UK <laughs> we're just about out of time on the Gagan Pod as we look forward to another big morning tomorrow in the Champions League Ajax and Juventus will they or won't they have Cristiano Ronaldo at the magnificent Johan Cruyff Arena and what of Manchester United's chances at home to the might of Barcelona guys thank you very much for your time it's been great to have you on the Gagan Pod as always and for you out there until next time enjoy your football 